The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark in today. And we are loaded up, ready for more Nebraska-Purdue. Some thoughts on Coach Tomlin and the coaching carousel around the world of college football. Numbers to get in with Hale Varsity Radio today, 466-377-766-37-76-800. 825-5865. can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Chris Schmidt, Hale Varsity Radio at Schmidt underscore radio. And give Connor a follow to Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com as well. On the docket today, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. We'll get caught back up with Mitch his take on the Big Red this week and maybe some Husker hoops. Big Ten buffet time with Rick Pizzo. Has uh, plenty of interesting matchups around the league this weekend with Michigan at Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa heads to the land of cheese curds. And, of course, Nebraska-Purdue. Uh, Rick Kaczynski a Tuesday with Kaz. Kaz's takeaway from Minnesota on to Purdue and uh how do you handle that Karloftis guy if you're Nebraska's offensive line? So, Connor, we, we look at some things, and we heard from a number of coaches today, Coach Janander, Coach Held uh, specifically, and uh, those are two big question marks with the Nebraska football this Saturday, right, is, you know, what's, what's Nebraska's mojo going to be like off of a bye week? the old rest or rust discussion. And I, I'm, a, I'm not too concerned with with rust. It's rest and, and mentality to me for Nebraska as they look to, to win as a favorite against a Power 5 for the first time this year. That's also on the docket. 0-1 against Illinois, 0-1 against Minnesota. You're a touchdown uh, favorite against Purdue. Uh, Purdue, on the other hand, where are they at? Uh, what's their gas tank like? What's their emotional status look like? And uh, the Big Ten does this to themselves. It's great for TV. It's a war of attrition every year. Uh, Ohio State is is both parts sexy and rugged, right, with uh, how they're, they're playing ball, how they win on the lines of scrimmage, and uh, what they do to people with their offense. But it, it's just an absolute march to to survive uh, if you're a Big Ten football team. And you saw it with Nebraska 
as they, uh, you know, coasted in on fumes, so to speak, with Minnesota and didn't do what they needed to do. Purdue's in the midst of their own three-game stretch. It's fair to say that uh, that Nebraska is is no longer finesse. They're no longer fluff. They're physical. And, and that's a great thing uh, if you're a Nebraska football fan because it's what you've always been. Uh, we talk about finding an offensive identity, a bread and butter. Well, you know, Nebraska football, historically speaking, is always supposed to have been a physical football team. They are that. And, and you, you saw that, that attrition, those body blows add up. And they add up for about everybody in the Big Ten. Uh, there, there's no off week with Illinois heading to Happy Valley and lining up 47 offensive linemen and just smashing uh, play after play after play. With Purdue, you know, where are they at? We know that they're a walking wounded uh, with just kind of the the injury report from Coach Brahm on Monday. They're in the third game of a, of a stretch where it started with Iowa. That was good. Iowa's not fluff either. Uh, they didn't 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 play physical ball uh, against Purdue's skill guys, and, and that ended up costing them. But then, if you're Purdue, you, you you smash heads against Iowa on the road. Then you host Wisconsin with a full stadium, and uh, they just wear you out on both lines of scrimmage. And then there's Nebraska waiting for you uh, if you're Purdue. As you know, where's where's Purdue at uh, physically? And mentally at the end of this three-game stretch, so I think that's a that's an advantage for Nebraska, much like the advantage Minnesota had coming on coming in off of a bye week. We look at some things too, Connor, with Nebraska here, and uh, questions that that need to be answered. Uh, level of concern for you with that that whole flat thing. Uh, are you able to bounce back if you're Nebraska from Minnesota? You've had time to recharge. You've had time to rest up. You've had time to get healthy. Can you go out and, and play fresh uh, after eight weeks and then that break? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big point of emphasis, I think, for this coaching staff coming into this week because you don't want to replicate what we saw in the first half against Minnesota. And this is something you and I talked about before we got on today. And although coming off of two weeks getting ready for this game and you've been able to watch film and and all that good stuff, there's still, at least for me, a very small level of concern about coming out slow because this is a Purdue team that has been kind of like Minnesota, really weird. They were just ranked, (laughs) and then they get get kind of manhandled at home in front of a a full house in West Lafayette, but they play really well against – Iowa and you, you really have to lock down David Bell this week so I don't think coming out slow is a is an option for this team especially if you want to get to bowling you have four really tough games left and I don't care if people are saying Purdue isn't all that it's still a Big Ten team and this team is a record of one and four against Big Ten teams and you're gonna have to beat them and you got to play Iowa you got to play Ohio State you got to play Wisconsin I'll play Wisconsin on the road and although Wisconsin isn't top 10 cream of the crop like they usually are that's still going to be an incredibly tough test up in camp randall and uh, bottom line you got to win three out of these next four if you want to go where you want to go you know i think you're right on and nebraska's nebraska's not going to overlook nebraska's not going to divert their attention nebraska's focused on on the black and gold 
for Saturday, and and that's important. It's it still got to go out and and do it. And when we look at you know how Nebraska can get it done uh, against this Purdue team, uh, just some different thoughts. One, and we'll hear from Coach Janander and Coach Hale in a moment. But I I think with Adrian back being Adrian, hey, that's got to be a reality. He's got to be able to at a minimum, and he didn't run that much with with success against Michigan. But think about that third quarter, right? Think about that opening drive. You're down 13 nothing. Adrian's able to hit Allen for, for a big score. Well, there was a third and nine early on in that drive, and Adrian's able to get out of, get out of trouble, tuck and run for 20. And, and the next play, you pop him for the 46-yard the touchdown pass. You're going to have to have enough of Adrian – to, to keep Purdue nervous with his legs, whether that's him keeping on some option, whether that's the threat of him with some quarterback draw, or just if things break down around, or maybe he just decides to tuck and run. It's like, look, none of my reads are getting open. Let me just tuck and, and go get seven. Uh, that will cause problems for, for most defenses, and, and you've seen it. There's got to be enough of the Adrian ingredient every game, but specifically this game. And and Adrian's had his ups and downs. The team's had their ups and downs against Purdue. When you think of the, the freshman year where that was a shootout, Nebraska didn't have any answers, uh, and, and Purdue put up 42 in Lincoln earlier in the season, earlier in the Frost era. Then you go into 2019 where you jump out 10 nothing, but you try and get too cute in the red zone, and then, you know, one of the plays JoJo Domans had burned into his mind as far as doing your job versus trying to make a splash play. Well, the end around uh, that, that did in Nebraska in 2019. That, that remains one of the more frustrating losses for Nebraska football because of how you jumped out. You uh, were held to three off of the, uh, the Darian Daniels big sexy pick as he's hauling to the goal line. And, and he just didn't do enough, right? It was some foreshadowing of missed opportunity for Nebraska on offense in the red zone here through these three and a half years. And then you, you, you focus right. Adrian gets the starting job back, and they go out there. And it got a little little hairy there in the fourth quarter after Bell had the 80s, 89-yard touchdown reception. But overall, Nebraska went out there and put up damn near 40 points on the road. And that, that's one of the better wins in the Frost era. And I know Purdue wasn't great last year, but you're not going to sneeze at wins. So you're going to have to have a sprinkle of Adrian. And I wonder if if or how Purdue will counter, because you have to imagine, right, Cam Taylor-Britt, the NFL uh, prospect list just came out on ESPN.com uh, with some of the top position players in college football. They go down the list, uh, every position. Cam Taylor-Britt does make that top 10 when it comes to corners. Cam's been playing great ball. I think Cam can take it as a as a personal challenge, and I would love to see him all over David Bell because Cam's super athletic, super talented, a leader, and he's physical, right? You're going to copycat what Wisconsin did, and that's, get their hands all over a David Bell. Three catches, 33 yards. And uh, Nebraska fans, you're, you're sick to death of when tight ends do work against you, be it the Michigan tight ends or back in the day, Keith Jackson doing his thing. Uh, 
tight end's pretty good at, at Purdue. His name's escaping me. Forgive me on that. But uh, he looked good. He's long, lanky, and uh, he's a guy that no doubt Purdue will try and, and find some matchups for. So uh, be physical against Purdue. You're going to need some running help for Adrian, but Adrian's still got to look like Adrian. Let's uh, hear a little bit uh, from Coach Held today as uh, part of post-practice here. And uh, this is this is about uh, Ramir, and, and he'll be back. He's good to go. That's wonderful. You know, who steps up behind Ramir is going to be a monster question, not just for Saturday, but can you get guys, a guy, two guys, ready so you don't fall into the same issue of your running game's really screwed uh, like it was against Minnesota. If Adrian can't run or, or won't run due to the play calling or protection, and there's no Ramir. So here's held uh, on Ramir and those running backs in that room getting consistent. Well, just consistency. You know, I, what I'm looking for is consistency uh, at the position, knowing what you're doing, being able to execute. Uh, are there things he needs to continue to work on? Yes. Have we missed things? Yes. Uh, so I got to keep coaching him up on those things. But, you know, he gives us a, a guy on the edge that can run, and he's caught the ball well. I think he's one of the top, you know, receivers in the Big Ten when it comes to running backs. And, uh, you know, he's just really taking a business-like approach. Um, now I got to continue to get Yant, Savion, Step, and those guys, you know, consistent uh, to where, you know, we have a, a number two and a number three guy that um, can go out there and, and really be able to help us uh, down the stretch run and into the future. That was Coach Ryan Held. We'll get uh, some things figured out here audio-wise in a moment. But you need that consistency. And, kind of there's candidates, plenty of candidates behind Ramir. You've seen Yant uh, do his thing against Northwestern. You need to see Yant do his thing against uh, Purdue if called upon. Uh, you have Savion Morrison. We've been super excited to see Morris Savion just because of the big play back we think he can be. Uh, but that's not just running the football. To, in fairness to him, he's had limited carries, so I've not seen him get, get lathered up a lot, but they did go to him against Minnesota, and and he, he got some push going. But I'd love to see him be that slasher and, and also be a weapon catching the football. And, and I know he had some drops. We'll hear more from Coach Held on that in a little bit. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Finally, when we talk about you know trying to get some points, get some yards, it, it's, it's same song, next verse, different week with the Nebraska offense. Think about the games they've been in. But think about the starts they've had. And they've been slower starts on offense. You've had uh, you've had three instances where the offense has put a drive together and then fizzled out. But but overall, it's a it's a situation where the third quarters have been great. Uh, the, the first quarter needs to be uh, kind of your you're out of the gate, go get points. Be a, be, a, be a nice appetizer, precursor to the third quarter uh, with, with what you've been able to do. I don't have any doubt that there's been plays schemed, there's been plans made, and it comes down to execution. And Nebraska's been able to score 
sparingly is the best way to put it, the best term to give uh, when it comes to the first quarter. Uh, it's not been consistent enough. Uh, this team's a whole lot different, and there's been very few instances how they, they've they come out and, and been just not locked in offensively. There's been something that's that's gone wrong. More to come with Mitch Sherman. We'll get some more of your emails. As uh, Mitch Sherman with us in a bit. Rick Pizzo next hour. And then uh, Coach Kaz. A Tuesday with Kaz. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska. Hoiberg and, and Matt Abdomasi have done. Um, you, you know, I don't know that... that... <laughs> Listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. We welcome in with The Athletic. It's Mitch Sherman, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? Thanks for the time. Yeah, good to be with you. My Tuesday is uh, not too bad. How about you? I am uh, hunkered down in my kid's room in the basement mitch and still there uh, still there your tuesday could be better chris but i hope that your next tuesday is uh is looking up Uh, let me ask you this as a a proud father how often do you go into your kid's room uh when i do it's basically to yell or to uh, just be completely appalled by the uh the state of cleanliness okay so i'm not alone i feel good mitch you made me feel better uh, about myself and my parenting skills, man. Because yeah, this is a nightmare. This is unsanitary. I've been working. Uh, yeah, I've been working with my ten-year-old on uh, for quite some time on just closing drawers. I mean, just like the most basic thing. Like we're we're not even not even concerned about turning off lights or you know things like that. It's just like, can you just close the drawers? Like you're gonna get dressed, and when you get done, there's like four drawers that are open. So you start with one, and if we can get that far, then move on to two, and he's not mastered any of it at this point. No, at least he's 10. Mine's going to be 15, and it's still a... <laughs> Why well, one of those two? It's a nuke here. Um, I will. I will stop. I ranted about this yesterday. I'm sure folks are just like, shut up about your kid. My fault, but I, I'm, I'm stepping through piles of dirt here. Okay, uh, Nebraska-Purdue, Mitch... What what's a what's the key for you? There's many, but as you look at this matchup, you look at this Purdue team, you look at Nebraska off of a bye. You know what what are you concerned with on Nebraska's side? What are you confident with on Nebraska's side? Well, if you're looking for a key, um, I think you can look to last week and see what happened with Purdue against Wisconsin. And I know Purdue turned it over five times, and Scott Frost brought that up yesterday in the press conferences. As a, that's not a formula to, formula for success, and, and it had a lot to do, obviously, with uh, Purdue's lack of success against the Badgers. Um, but I would say one thing that that Purdue did, or that Wisconsin did, was it ran the ball and it stopped Purdue from running the ball. Uh, Nebraska needs to try to model that plan, and if that means getting it in the hands of your quarterback because he's now healthy and letting him run the ball a little more or getting those backs going. Um, Ramir Johnson sounds like he's going to be ready to go after taking a hard hit on the goal line against Minnesota. You know, get Jacquez Gant going. Maybe some of those other guys behind those two uh, are, are, are more healthy now after some time off and in a short week of practice last week. 
it's essential for Nebraska to be able to run the ball for, for a couple reasons. One, obviously, because that, that's a proven formula for success against Purdue. Uh, it's what Purdue stopped Iowa from being able to do the week before. And then, two, it, it just kind of keeps it out of the hands of Purdue's offense, which, you know, this is not Oklahoma that Nebraska is going against, and, and Nebraska did a nice job against the Sooners with that, that formula. But um, David Bell and the Purdue passing game, it's not just Bell. Uh, Purdue has quarterbacks, multiple quarterbacks who can throw it, and, and a bunch of receivers who, who are dynamic players. Um, David Bell being at the top of the list. He'll, he'll tear you apart if you give him the opportunity. So uh, with a man down in the secondary for Nebraska and Deontay Williams, I think it's important to control this game on the ground and, and, um, and then, of course, stop Purdue's run game. Mitch, do you stick uh, Cam Taylor Britt on Bell and say he's yours all game? You know, that's not necessarily the way that Nebraska has approached covering great receivers. And Nebraska has faced some some good receivers this year. You know, Chris Ottman Bell um, at, at Minnesota had an excellent game against Nebraska. Um, and you didn't see Nebraska go to a strategy where it just took its best cover guy, which is Taylor Britt and said, okay, you know, you follow him, whether it's in the slot or on the outside. Um, that's No, I don't think that's what that, that's the, the Chenander um, style of defense. I think they're confident um, in Quentin Newsom on the other side, and they're confident in, in what the safeties can do if they get, end up getting matched up on Bell. Obviously, that's a good matchup for Purdue if they can isolate a safety uh, against their top guy. And Nebraska will look to to avoid those kinds of things and, and, and may move Taylor Britt around some. Uh, the more you have him on, Bell, the better. But I don't know that you structure your defense entirely to make that happen. Quentin Newsom um, has proven himself to be a solid cornerback this year. Um, those two did go man-to-man quite a bit last year in West Lafayette. And you know, remember the second half of that game, they both got the best of each other. Um, on memorable plays, one, one Bell going for a, a long touchdown on a on a play where I believe a couple of Nebraska DBs collided with each other, um, and then another which was maybe the game the game winning or the game clinching play where where it was a jump ball um, and Taylor Britt went up and 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 knocked it away from from Bell. Uh, so that's a matchup to watch for sure when they are on each other, and, and I would I would think it would be uh, often in this game. What do you make of Purdue coming in? Are they still three-fourths full of gas? Or this is, and we were talking about this earlier, the Big Ten's so rugged where you you cherish that bye week. But in all honesty, you're at the tail end stretch now where, where you get Nebraska, who I think it's fair to say Nebraska's now a physical team uh, under Frost and, and what they've, they've built up on the lines of scrimmage. They're not as finesse as they used to be you come off of the iowa win you get beat up by wisconsin physically now you get nebraska that's a tough ass to come on the road i think that works in nebraska's favor for sure and and with nebraska coming off a bye you know you could see a situation similar to what nebraska encountered two weeks ago against minnesota where the gophers were coming off a bye and that's another physical team it's a big team um so they were coming off a bye Nebraska had just played Michigan and had played Michigan State uh, and Michigan both in a three-week period, you know, with Northwestern, an easier game this year uh, sandwiched between those. But it was undoubtedly 
a tough stretch, a tough eight-week stretch for Nebraska or seven-week stretch for Nebraska going into that that Minnesota game. And it, it, it was a factor, and I think it can be a factor the other way around in Nebraska's favor against Purdue. Anytime in, in any year, and I don't care if it's vintage Iowa or vintage Wisconsin or whatever it is that you're seeing from those two teams this year, anytime you go against those two teams in consecutive weeks, it's a, you know, you know that takes a toll. And I, I would think that Purdue is a little black and blue after, after that assignment. And then, to come, like you said, have to then come on the road and play a team like Nebraska, which, you know, doesn't have the reputation of Iowa and Wisconsin as a bully in the, in the Big Ten West. But this team is one that's going to knock you around and can go toe-to-toe I think with all of these teams in the West, with the with with the physicality, um, that's a that's a tall order for Purdue. I would think there's an opportunity there for Nebraska to win the battle at both lines of scrimmage um, because of the personnel and because of what Purdue has has had to go through the last two weeks. Mitch, back to the running game and that attack part for Nebraska. Do you do you feel like um, Yance still going to be the guy behind Ramir? Or could you see some more Morrison? You know, how's Held going to work this rotation behind Ramirez? Good question. Um, you know, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're. They're. You know, considering what to make of Yant and his his slip at the goal line against Minnesota. That's a key moment, a huge moment in that game. And he didn't come through in the way that Nebraska needs its backs to come through. You know, at all factors, I don't know that that play is, is, needs to be magnified anymore. And these coaches like to say that they evaluate every rep in practice, but it is about performing in the key moments. And there's been a lot of talk about that from Scott Frost and the other assistant coaches, but Frost going back to last week and talking about putting the players in situations at practice on Wednesday, and now he was upset with some things that he saw uh, and talking about just making plays in the clutch. It's been a problem for Nebraska on the offensive side this year, and at times on the defensive side and giving up some key third-down conversions, but primarily on offense and, of course, on special teams, as we've all seen. That was a moment where Jacquez Yant didn't come through when, when – he needed to, and I, and I think it's in part because he just hasn't been in that situation enough. He hasn't been down on the goal line in a fourth down scenario where he's taken a handoff in that set, and he's got to get one foot. Um, and I think he got ahead of himself a bit, and you saw the result. Um, I could see, yes, I could see Nebraska uh, in part because of that and in part because they've had an extra week to heal up. Given the ball to Savion, you know, maybe Marquis Step works back in. It's, he's kind of disappeared. Um, and, and letting those guys see what, what they've got, what they can give. And, and you know, because you're probably going to need all of them down the stretch against this run of opponents that you've got, these great defenses that Nebraska's going to play over the next five weeks to accomplish what you, what you want and need to. Um, which is obviously a tall order to get to six and six for the Huskers. Mitch, couple minutes here. Mitch Sherman from the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Going to switch over to hoops real quick, and 
What's your your feel, your outlook, your excitement level here with this uh, this cast of uh, high level performers? You know, on paper, now it's going to hit the hard work, hard hardwood. So, um, you know, how how uh, juiced up for you for hoops are you? Yeah, I'm excited to see these guys play for sure. Um, and haven't given it, you know, a ton of uh, my attention yet because you know it's such a uh, an interesting time, an important time for this football program i'll get there um you know i talking to seamus about this yesterday uh at, at the stadium and uh you know when when he can expect to see me the seamus the the um the all world media relations uh director for for fred hoiberg's program um and you know i, th- I think with the creighton game being early this year in in mid-november um i'll i'll get on board at that point at the beginning here um you know i, I think i'm like a lot of people in this league and, you know, I don't know about around the country because I don't know about that around the country. Nebraska is on people's radar, despite, despite. And now, and now back to hail varsity radio. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. Big thanks to Mitch for joining us here on hail varsity radio. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark, as we uh, will spend a few more minutes here uh, with Nebraska, Purdue and, the topic of, of running back and running game. And uh, we'll hear from Rick Pizzo and Rick Kaczynski next hour. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. And we talk about this each week. And, and Vic emails in chris at com uh, when it comes to, to comfort level. And uh, Vic uh, echoes a lot of similar feelings and thoughts i really can't understand anybody who's watched nebraska play this year how uh, how you can feel comfortable going into a game should nebraska win sure but that means nothing for this team to to pare it down even further connor it's it's the, the run game you know how let's go there with with comfort level because that is going to be your key on saturday is well, a, a lot of things, right? There's a, there's a lot of uh, ingredients for this uh, this winning recipe, but no, the run game's going to be huge in the run game beyond Adrian. And it's been a talking point with uh, Adrian where, you know, can you can you get some help? And, and you've seen that emerge in Ramir Johnson. You, you can feel good about Nebraska's running game where – uh, they did enough, Ramir, specifically in the run and in the pass game uh, where he he was a factor against Michigan. He kept pounding against Michigan State. You saw uh, Yant have a, a, a glorious day against Northwestern. It's going to need to be a reality for Nebraska on Saturday with can you get additional yards? Can you take some, some stress off of, of the Adrian usage? Not just Saturday, but beyond. And you're going to need that, like Mitch was talking about. It's going to need to be Ramir and some other guys. Let's go to Coach Held. And uh, he touched on kind of the ups and downs of Yang. If you if Yang can get right, can get coached up, can find a, a happy place for himself running the football, just get comfortable and confident, right? Uh, I mean, that's, that's a really nice option for Nebraska uh, when it comes to, to pounding away at Purdue and some of these other teams. 
Well, I think you come out against Northwestern and, and everything's great and everybody's patting you on the back and how good you are. Uh, and, and then you, you kind of get brought back down to earth a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think with a young football player that, that, that has a lot of talent that, you know, you're going to go through some of those swings, um, you know. And I, I think at the end of the day, until you go through those swings and experience the highs and the lows, you don't know how to react. And, and he's been able to, to see the good. He's seen inconsistencies. Um, but he's obviously a talented player, and, and uh, he's, he's, he's got a bright future here. We just have to continue to keep putting him in situations where he, he's going to uh, be able to execute plays that can help us. Um, but he's had a good attitude. Um, he, 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 he always has a smile on his face. But, it, you know, I'm going to keep pushing him because he, he, he's talented and he can give us a lot in, in this program. That is Coach Ryan Held on Yant, and and part of it is you can you can simulate goal line a thousand times. It is absolutely different at the one at Minnesota on the road. Momentum, backbreaking play, opportunity to take the lead, steal that thing back. It, it's just different, and and some some guys have to go through a, a bump in the road to uh, to emerge better for it. And and that is something that really hurt Nebraska more from from held here on Yant. And you saw it against Michigan. You saw it against uh, a team like Minnesota. I think they're working with him, and I think Yant's a stand-up enough guy that you're going to see uh, far less mistakes in the future. I think he'll he'll learn and get better from it, but more from held here on on keeping the faith in Yant. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's it. Listen, Yant wanted to make a play so bad there and score. You know, it was an unfortunate deal, and you know what? I, I love the kid, and I'll ride him every time right there. Ninety nine out of a hundred, he makes it. You know, that one play he didn't, and it, it, it's it's one of those things that we all are. You know, uh, like, oh, you know, but it is what it is. You know, uh, but I have uh, the utmost faith in Yant that he's going to make that play every time. That's what you need to hear from your coach. You'll see it continued in reps at practice, and then it'll translate. If you're a Nebraska fan, you hope uh, in a game like Purdue, in a game against Iowa, in a game at Wisconsin. So a guy that is is also getting some more touches, and it'll be key is is Savion Morrison. And, and his thing's been focus, so uh, this will be big for Morrison to continue to come along. And listen, there's been a lot of talk. There's been some questions. You know, what, what's going on with, with Nebraska's running back rotation? Uh, what's going on with the development? You know, where where's the help in the run game for Nebraska during the Frost tenure? And, and Held's recruited a bunch of incredible backs and just phenomenal backs. Not all of them have stayed. Not all of them have performed. And you're seeing a guy like Ramir get challenged and and emerge. Uh, you're seeing a guy like Yant, who was found by Coach Fisher, get plugged in and get used. You know, let's see what can happen here, the Final Four, for a guy like Savion Morrison. Here's more from Held. Yeah, I mean, with Savion, he just he, he he can catch the football. He's got really good hands. He, I mean, he just has to focus when the lights are on in those situations. And you know, the first play he was in, we ran the reverse pass. Second down, he ran the swing pass. He's there. You got to catch the ball. 
period. He knows it. Everybody in the stadium knows it. I know it. And he's got to be able to make that play. He knows it. Um, so uh, it's just a matter of focus. And every play matters. And, and you can't be a little lackadaisical. And I think that's what the young players, they have to understand that when you go out there, the game is on the line on that, on that play. It's so important for these guys to, to not be overwhelmed by the moment. And it goes back to winning and winning close games. And the the want-to is there, right? Uh, Nebraska wants to win high-level signature-type ball games. Nebraska also needs to win games they're favored than, favored over teams that they're, from a brand standpoint, it, they're better than. But they haven't done that on the field against the Purdue's or Minnesotas of the world, because quite honestly, both those teams that we just mentioned have been better than Nebraska the last few years. Comes down to, to making it happen and seizing the opportunity, and Nebraska's got another one to get a game closer to 500, to to beat a team that you're favored to beat in front of your home crowd. Uh, we'll have a thought from Coach Chenander before we close out our one. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Winding down this first hour, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at C underscore Clark underscore 27 did i did i nail that absolutely that was flawless well we we try uh mitch sherman with us in our one talking about the the run game that's the key of many keys to success for nebraska on saturday what do you get to beyond adrian and how do you shut down what purdue wants to do uh people will be starting fires please don't if purdue has success on the ground based on their history uh, reminder about buckling up. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high is never acceptable. And law enforcement officers working every day to stop it before more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate uh, a driver. Get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, We'll get into some of the coaching carousel with Coach Kaczynski next hour. Rick Pizzo on deck. Mike Tomlin, Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. He is not shopping. Guys, I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Um, I got one of the best jobs in, in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? Um, that'll be the last time that I address it. And not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay? Anybody else got any questions about any college jobs? There's not a booster with a big enough blank check. Anyone else? All right. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? You know, anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? They are not. And Tomlin offended. And I get it. And if I'm USC or LSU, hell yes, I want Mike Tomlin as my coach. Uh, you know, it's a situation where LSU will, will, will find somebody. And as soon as that 
coach dips to eight and five, they're going to hatchet them. So it's a pretty glorious place to go coach and win. It's also very difficult. USC, look, you can you can go take care of things at SC uh, and and compete against Oregon. That's that's really all you have to do. I know Coach Fisher is is trying to to get there. He's been out of the game a while, but he's a longtime SC guy. You know, if I'm if I'm Coach Campbell right now at Iowa State, and I'm going to be moving or staying in the Big Twelve without an Oklahoma or Texas, and I've got Cincinnati and Central Florida moving in, which will technically still keep me Power Five. You know, I may I may look. I may look just because you don't know what your league's going to be. You don't know what the respect level your league's going to have moving forward. I don't think Fickle goes anywhere. He's a Midwest guy. I think Dave Aranda is the guy you got to look at if you're LSU because of comfort. Maybe Jimbo. I don't know. Maybe Dabo gets out. Time will tell with that. But uh, Jimbo's loyal to Jimbo despite the zeros on his check from A&M. We'll see. Both jobs will get filled. Will it be a different story in five years? Or the same story? Coaching change. Hour two is on the way. Rick Pizzo is next. Big Ten Buffet. And Rick Kaczynski, Hour two. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Bible. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And it's Big Ten Buffet time. We say hi to Rick Pizzo. Doing fine, Chris. Hope that you are doing well as well. We'll, we'll dive into Nebraska, get your reaction to, to the Big Red this weekend. And what, what were you expecting from Purdue? Well, they're really physical Iowa up front, but they did not play physical on the back end. And that cost them against David Bell. If you watched what Wisconsin did to David Bell, It was totally different than what Iowa did. Iowa let him run free off the line, put a single safety and a lot of man coverage. And David Bell tears you up when you do that. And I'm not sure why they didn't really get away from that. Jim Leonard, the Wisconsin D.C., I think learned a lot from what Iowa did and didn't do. He had Caesar Williams, one of their longer corners up there, and he was just jamming David Bell at the line of scrimmage. And with Wisconsin's pass rush, being as good as it is, and a Purdue offensive line that I think is average, the Wisconsin pass rush was in Aiden O'Connell's face before David Bell was out of most of his breaks. So when you are limited like Purdue is, and they have one scholarship running back right now available, they have to go and need big plays from their best player, and that's David Bell. And Wisconsin basically completely took him out of the game. You take him out of the game, and Purdue becomes an infinitely more beatable football team. So what is Purdue's counter to that, assuming the copycat thing happens or attempts to happen in Lincoln Saturday with with Purdue? I like their tight end, but I don't know if a three quarterback merry go round is the answer. Maybe it'll maybe it'll mess with Nebraska, but it, it sure didn't help things against Wisconsin. 
Well, because you're trying to basically have a glorified run game with Jack Plummer and Austin Burton, the other two quarterbacks. The trouble is neither one of those guys are really threatening you with their arm. I thought that if Purdue wanted to utilize that system for a second week in a row, what they would have to do is a little Tim Tebow-esque. Looks Mm. like the quarterback is going to run, have him throw some passes, keep that defense kind of guessing. Purdue didn't do that now. To Wisconsin's credit, I will say that front seven defensively, Chris, the way they are playing right now, most notably Leo Chanel, is just off the charts. I mean, they are blowing people up. I mean, Chanel had 16 tackles against Army, didn't get Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Apparently he must have been upset because he goes and has five and a half for loss, including three and a half sacks against Purdue. So I don't think that Nebraska necessarily – their front seven's good, and they've been – you and I have spoken extensively about this. They've been much better defensively than I expected. They're not as good defensively as Wisconsin, and they're really not as good up front in between the tackles, I think, defensively as Wisconsin. Does that really matter against Purdue? Probably not if you don't have a real running back. So I think then you start to worry about your back seven because I think Purdue probably has to throw the ball – 75 to 85% of their snaps in this football game. Rick Pizzo's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Big Ten Buffet. When, when you talk about the, the line of scrimmage matchup, Nebraska had uh, one of their better games a year ago, Rick, against Purdue. Ben Stilley and company really got after the quarterback. How do you see that, that showdown when it comes to Purdue being able to protect who's ever taken the snap and given time? Uh, versus what Nebraska has. Nebraska didn't didn't do much when it comes to pass rush against Minnesota. Yeah, Purdue's offensive line I thought was better in the beginning of the year, but they didn't play a ton of physical fronts defensively. And Wisconsin is really physical defensively. And I'll give Nebraska a lot of credit, right? That's mm-hmm. one of the biggest areas of improvement that Scott Frost and Eric Shenander have made since they got to Lincoln is getting more physical across the front on the defensive side. And I think that Purdue offensive line is starting to be exposed a little bit. They're also a little bit banged up. So the recipe for success here is if you're going to have a team that's going to throw the ball that often, and David Bell is not alone. I mean, Wright and Sheffield and Payne Durham, you mentioned the tight end, they have capable, talented receivers. So how do you solve that? You get pressure on the quarterback. You don't give him a chance to throw. I think just like Wisconsin a week ago, that's Nebraska's biggest advantage. You have to find a way to make Aiden O'Connell, who will still be the starter and the guy who's throwing most of the passes. You have to make him uncomfortable, just like Wisconsin did. Rick, I want to get your take and, and go back in time a little bit. Uh, I know you were on assignment during Nebraska-Minnesota. Nebraska had the bye week last weekend, but were you surprised that, that Nebraska came out like they did against Minnesota, or were you uh, in in the, the group that said, you know what, Nebraska's been on, on a tough run. Everybody in college football has a letdown at some point. And, again, to credit Minnesota, Fleck has the crew playing good ball now. He does, and I think that's the bigger story there, Chris. Now, did Nebraska have a ton of chances to win that football game and give them away? Absolutely. And was that probably the storyline, at least in that part of the country and where you are? Absolutely, because how many times have you seen that over the last four years? Opportunities to win games late, the inability to close it out, and another tough loss. But I think from the 30,000-foot perspective, the bigger story there is that Minnesota has been able to run the football on everybody, and it doesn't matter who your running back is. And so when you start to focus on the run like Nebraska did and you have Tanner Morgan play a game 
that he hadn't played the likes of in, what, a year and a half? That's really tough to defend. So uh, I can't necessarily say I give the defense a pass on that game or that I give Nebraska in general a pass on that game because when you're a road favorite, that's a game that you have to win if you're trying to get the bowl eligibility. But at the same point, a lot of things went against Nebraska that Minnesota hadn't done against other teams. So you hope that you went back, you had the bye week, Scott Frost said he was refreshed, that he and the team watched a ton of film over the past seven, ten days. You have to come out and put forth your best effort this weekend. And what you really hope to see is not just a win against Purdue, you hope to see a fairly dominant performance that tells you that this team has what it takes as the schedule gets tough down the stretch to find a way to get to the postseason. You know, a lot of us thought Nebraska was on uh, in a good spot. I'm wondering if Nebraska, with this bye week, can recalibrate. And, you know, the the, the topic of Adrian, and, and he spoke yesterday about his future, and he's not made any decisions. And, Rick, as we look at the domino uh, effect here with, with Adrian, with how he looked and not being healthy against Minnesota, you look at, at what he's gone against pass rush-wise, and he'll see it again against Purdue. Uh, it's just tough for him to to be able to, to, to stand in and, and have that alarm clock be right in his head, when to get rid of the football, when to hold on. And if he wasn't healthy, obviously uh, not able to, to run and create with his legs. You'll see a different Adrian on, on Saturday. But if you were to, to circle... Uh, your biggest issue with the Nebraska offense, do you put it on quarterback? Do you put it on line? Do you put it on inconsistent running game post Ramir, right? I mean, what do you circle here as to what's ailing the offense? Yeah, I think it is that inconsistent run game because that's the quarterback's best friend. And I think to Adrian's credit, the alarm clock is a little different for him than it is other quarterbacks because he is expected to not just do things with his arm. He's expected to do things with his legs. But a lot of other quarterbacks who are also expected to be dual threats have a running back that they can hand the ball off to every now and then and feel really good and really consistent about that running back can do. I don't think Adrian feels that way. He'll never say that publicly, but look at the history and and who he's had behind him and the lack of consistency from week to week. Now, there have certainly been spurts, and you look at when Nebraska's offense is the best, you look at when Adrian is most dangerous, it's when he has a guy back there with him that other defenses have to focus on. If other defenses don't really have to worry about a consistent run game from someone other than the quarterback, then they can use a spy, they can play 10 on 11 and feel very comfortable about it, and take Adrian out of his game, they can – fake the blitz and drop that guy back into coverage. And that's where we've seen Adrian throw a lot of interceptions over the course of his career. I'm not saying all of it would be solved with a consistent run game, but Chris, I think that would be probably the biggest help to Adrian Martinez. If he could have a redo and and you gave him a chance and say, Adrian, we'll give you one of these three things over the course of your four years. You can either have a slightly better offensive line than you have, you can have a deeper wide receiving core. You can have a consistent run game with a running back who averages four to four and a half yards per carry. I'm pretty sure he would say that number three would be his choice. Well, I think you're right on. And, and just think of where things went with Nebraska once Ramir went out against Minnesota. Uh, Yant came in and, and 
wants that one back at the goal line clearly, but just there's just a drop off, and it's going to be key for Nebraska to these final four have have a next man up that's that's ready to go and step in to help with that run game. Couple more minutes. Rick Pizzo's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Rick, uh, a thought with this weekend's Big Ten slate. Uh, yay or nay uh, on the the nine overtime two point conversion contest? I'm not a huge fan of the rule. There's got to be a better way. It's a little gimmicky, right? I mean, uh-huh. There's got to be a better. There's got to be a better way. And I understand it's for the safety of the kids. I do. But if you watched that game, at what point do you say, even as a football fan, just give me a tie? Is Illinois better, Rick, or is Penn State peeking ahead to Ohio State? No, I think Illinois is slightly better, but listen, I don't know that Clifford was 100% healthy. Uh, I think that loss to Iowa in which Penn State absolutely felt like they had that game until their quarterback went down took a lot out of them mentally. I really do believe that. And then I think you, you do have Iowa and Ohio State with Illinois sandwiched in between. So could have been a little bit of a look back and a look ahead, letting that one loss become a loss and a half, and then adding to that the extra half loss of being nervous of going to Columbus. Sure, it could have happened, but I do think that Illinois, especially defensively, has gotten better um, over the course of the year because that's really where they've struggled. And and I I said at the beginning of the year, I thought they would knock off one or maybe two teams that they probably weren't supposed to beat. If you add Nebraska to that at the beginning of the year, they're at the two right now. So, um, yeah, I, I just think, you know, for Penn State, now you have to somehow, and this is an almost impossible ask, get yourself back to a spot where you feel like you can go to Columbus and beat an Ohio State team that right now looks like the best offense in the country by far. That's going to be a really, really tough ask. It is a tough ask. Does Penn State have the horses to get after uh, Ohio State in the passing game, or is it just... Boy, I don't know, it... man. Ohio State's <laughs> offensive line is pretty good, too. And, and, you know, unlike Purdue, we talked about a lot, you know, you have David Bell and a couple other guys. I mean, in between Olave Wilson and Smith and Jigba, you got three guys who are going to make big-time money in the NFL level. So it's not like you can focus on one guy. And the offensive line's pretty good. No, by the way, if you do blitz and sell out, you got Travion Henderson sneaking out of the backfield to catch screen passes to go for 80 yards in about three and a half seconds. I mean, I just don't know if there's a defensive answer right now if Ohio State plays at this level. Do you get the feel James is serious about looking elsewhere? He, he said today that, listen, uh, my future's not a distraction. Uh, where are you at with, with kind of the, the tea leaves on, on him and Penn State? I think he says the right things because he is a guy who I think is smart enough to realize that you never say never. You know, you, you don't say, I'm never leaving Penn State. I'm not interested in USC. I'm not interested in LSU. You know, I haven't heard him rumored for LSU mm-hmm. nearly as much as USC. But you have to say you're focused on what you're focused on, and that's this week. And listen, he, he better be focused on Ohio State. So, you know, uh, listen, these coaches right now, I think, truthfully, I understand the media has a job. I'm part of the media. I hate hearing questions asked when you know what the answer is before the question is even finished, right? I mean, we heard the same thing about Mel Tucker with LSU, you know, because he has the SEC ties. He has Michigan this week. James Franklin has Ohio State this week. Like, if there's ever a week that these guys are not thinking about another potential opportunity, it's right now. That talk is for December 5th when the season comes to a close. Not asking for a prediction, but what's the difference in that game, in your opinion? If, if Michigan State can run the football, plain and simple, because nobody's really been able to run the football well 
and consistently. I mean, Northwestern had the one big gash against Michigan last week. But Michigan up front, uh, Aiden Hutchinson is just having a tremendous year. Uh, you know, they have so much nice run support from the backside. Daxon Hill is a really good player. Uh, DJ Turner had a ridiculous interception. They got cover corners. So the question is, can Michigan State run the ball when Michigan knows they want to run the ball with Kenneth Walker? If Michigan State can establish a run game, being at home, and then you start to peak and you have guys like Naylor and Reed on the outside, they can beat you. They can explode. If not, if you get into a situation where you're kept inside of a box, then I think Michigan is the favorite because they're the more physical of the two teams. I think this is going to be fascinating. I think this, if you're going to look at those two marquee matchups that are on the schedule this weekend, I think Michigan-Michigan State is the tighter, the closer, and the more intriguing of those two matchups on Saturday. I think it's going to be a, a big-time ball game. Rick, we'll get you out of here with Iowa, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's found uh, that mojo. Iowa wants some redemption. This thing's also, I mean, talk about throwback rival- rivalry with, with Barry's ties to Iowa and, of course, what he's done at Wisconsin. This is dangerous for Iowa right now, and they, they're still in position to have a, a run to the, to the Big Ten title game, but Wisconsin seems to have the momentum. It is dangerous for Iowa also because, Chris, I think that people have still given up on Wisconsin. And I've seen Wisconsin really play the last couple of weeks like they don't really have anything to lose. And I think that's pretty interesting. Now, Iowa's strength, at least until David Bell just tore them apart, was their back seven and their (laughs) secondary. That is not really what Graham Mertz and company are worried about. Uh, I mean, since Wisconsin has gotten back to Wisconsin – He's dinking and dunking. He's throwing screen passes. He's finding his tight end. He's not really looking deep very often. They're relying on Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen, by the way, is a 17-year-old true freshman who is absolutely yoked. He looks like he's a 25-year-old grown, you know what, man. And he's changed a lot of things for Wisconsin as well. So I think it's a really dangerous spot for Iowa because, Chris, you lose this game after the start that they had and that shocker to Purdue, then everybody goes, well, what was that first? They were a fraud. They were a fraud all along. And they lose this game. Remember, they're tied with Minnesota in the standings right now. Minnesota's a heavy favorite against Northwestern. You lose this game, you're not just, you know, obviously out of the college football playoff, which they could potentially be already. You're now no longer one of the favorites in the West. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in uh, a Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski with this longtime coach in Nebraska in Iowa. Kaz, good to spend time with you. I was out last week. It's, well, I missed you, but uh, did you ever have to, to dodge golf balls or debris on a sideline? It's been a while, so humor me with the, the old Lane Kiffin trash toss at, at Tennessee, brother. Just, uh, just verbal soft me. Nothing, uh, you know, no, no objects. Just, uh, just some verbal abuse by some, by some fans and, uh, and a few parents. But other than that, never had to, uh, never had to dodge a whole lot. Well, so okay, the, uh, the verbal abuse is. though <laughs> is yeah, no fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty creative though. You get, especially those night games. You know, get people greased up a little bit. <laughs> and uh, they got all day to think of some good stuff for you. So, where's the uh, the most creative place? I guess if we're talking night games Penn, that get Penn get State's verbal, pretty good. Yeah, Penn where State, is Penn State's pretty good. 
Yeah, Iowa folks uh, had some choice words for me. More in 2012 <laughs> than 2014, but uh, yeah, there was one guy. There was one guy who was blocking. Uh, he was blocking me from from going up into the locker room, and uh, I just said, uh, I told the security, "You can handle it, or I can handle it." So I felt pretty good about my chances there. But uh, yeah, luckily, uh, I think JT was behind me, and he got uh, he got a few other people help me uh, help me up to the locker room. But yeah, for the most part. That's quite, yeah. Quite honestly, it's it's uh it's pretty rare. Most of the most of the places and most of the time, um, you don't have to deal with a whole lot of that stuff. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, I can handle it, or you can handle it. That's the uh, that's the new T-shirt. I love it. Um, so, <laughs> Kaz, want to get your take? Let's go back in time to to hit on Nebraska, Minnesota. Uh, tough outing for Nebraska. Uh, they had their shots, didn't make it happen, and, and now it's kind of getting down to it with uh, wins and uh, and games on a schedule against, well, some of the who's who of college football and in the Big Ten. What's, what was your takeaway with uh, with Minnesota? Well, I think, you know, I think he knew it was going to be a tough game um, coming off two emotional games and then got to go on the road. And, uh, you know, heck, it's the Big Ten. It's it's midseason. People are banged up. You know, not making excuses. But there, it's, it's like the NFL. The margin for error on, on all sides is, is very slim. And, um, you know, they came out. They came out, had that great drive, had that first uh, first three and out for uh, for Nebraska. Just, just uh, you know, Nebraska just kind of made it tough for themselves. But, yeah, you, know, you know, I talked to some people about, uh, oh, you know, they weren't ready to go and all that. And like I told folks, I said, yeah, I, I don't like one guy speaking for the entire team. Um, I guarantee you JoJo Doman and, and Nelson and the bunch of guys that were ready to go. Um, and every every Saturday there's going to be a guy here and there that's uh, that's not ready to go the way he needs to. And that's part of college football. And, and, you know, at some point you hope that they come around during the game where the coaches see it and get, them, get that person out. But – you know, obviously, you don't like the uh, you don't like the the loss, especially um, to those guys up there, in particular the the head coach up there. But uh, what I liked about it is, you know, they came back in the in the second half. They just didn't lay themselves down. It's, but once again, they um, you know Nebraska just couldn't get out of their own way, and and that's that's what's that's what's got to change, especially in the next. Uh, Next three games coming up here, you know, margin error, margin for error is, is is even slimmer than it was against uh, against the Gophers. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Bar City Radio Tuesdays with Kaz. Kaz, you know the Purdue program pretty well. They looked incredible that same Saturday in Iowa City, a twenty-four to seven spot. They come back down to earth. Wisconsin played really physical on the back end and uh, kind of corralled Bell. What do you like about what you know from Purdue, and what are some some problems potentially Saturday for Nebraska? Well, I think uh, you know Brom is uh, you know he he's he's really good after a loss, um, and once again kind of saw a common big emotional win on the road against Iowa, uh, and then playing that that type of defense, and you know he got thirteen thirteen ball game at half, and both teams turning the ball over. 
but uh, what Wisconsin did, they were they were able to run the football a little bit, um, not a little bit. They were able to run the football a lot, and, and Purdue Purdue couldn't. They couldn't move the ball. I mean, that game was was uh, was one up front. But I mean, it, it kind of uh, you know that's probably the first time I've watched Wisconsin's defense from from start to finish, and there ain't going to be a whole lot of people moving the football on those guys. Uh, they're pretty impressive. Now the the only thing that they got it's like eleven on twenty two with their offense right now. So, uh, uh, but uh, but you know Purdue, I, I think what what gives you what gives you problems is you know Brom's not uh, he's not going to let that happen two weeks in a row. He he knows how to use his uh, his great players. You know you had more. Uh, I'm sure he got shut down a couple games, but uh, more. Uh, more not shut down than than he had great games during his career, and he'll do the same thing with Bell. Um, you know, obviously, he, you know you got teams like Iowa's a pattern match team. Uh, they're uh, you know place a man under. So what he does is he gets you he gets you into um, he gets you into some conflicts, some run pass conflicts, and then he forces you to show your show your hand. And then that allows his quarterback and his receivers to, you know, be on the same page, you know, get the ball out of their hands quick. I think that's what they've done. Purdue's always struggled a little bit up front on the offensive line, and I think what he does is make it really simple for his quarterback um, and receivers and converting routes and adjusting in routes and putting defenses in conflict, having to show their hand, and then that way that quarterback can get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. I know he was running for his life. Um, uh, against Wisconsin, but you look at the Iowa game, there wasn't a whole lot of pressure. That that was a pretty comfortable pocket. So um, I expect to see a little bit more of that here this Saturday. But it's 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 going to be a tough game. I mean they they got some um, they got some good skill. And what I like about Brom, he, he's gonna you know I think he has an identity. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him, and he just continues to tweak things within his within his system, and uh, that's what makes it difficult. Um, to defend and then also getting ready for three quarterbacks. I mean, that's just, that, that's hard. That's hard to do. That's hard to do in a week. It's, and usually when you have three quarterbacks, um, the guys aren't productive. And when you look at Purdue, it's an anomaly that you got three guys that are, are productive in their own way. Uh, they all are able to run the offense, offense within the system, but the staff has done a pretty good job tweaking things specifically to create create some mismatches and, and some dilemmas for defenses. So, um, as usual, expect a tough game. And, and that's how it should be. And that's what's great about the Big Ten and Power Five football. It's, it's uh, week in, week out. It'll be like the NFL. Anybody can beat anybody. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Hail Varsity Radio a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick, uh, what, what do you try and spice up if you're Nebraska? Didn't get any pressure on Minnesota. They've gotten enough pressure. It, it could be better, but they've they've been better at getting after the quarterback compared to well, honestly, since the years you were there. Uh, so, uh, what does Nebraska try and do to to kind of heat up uh, O'Donnell or o- O'Connell, excuse me, or whoever's back there? Uh, does Nebraska have the personnel in this matchup against Purdue to, to win and and force some quick throws or some bad throws? Absolutely, they do. Absolutely, Nebraska does. You know, I mean, the defense, the thing you like about the defense, they've been pretty consistent all year. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't count that big run at the end of the game against Minnesota. You take this. So I know the last two weeks, they or last two football games, Nebraska's had they've they've given up an explosive play. But um, you know, uh, I think uh, I don't I don't think that is um, you know the, the identity of the defense. I don't think that's them. I, I mean, I, I think those are kind of outliers for the year. Uh, so what I like about their defense, they've been they've been really consistent. If you can find a way. And we and that's what we were always pretty dang good at um, at Iowa and um, and Nebraska is is generating pressure with four you know and and that's what you got to do um, against Purdue you know the more guys you can drop uh, the more you can keep seven eight guys in coverage six guys in in, in coverage and and kind of pick your uh, pick your blitzes on early down or your pressures on early downs. And, and get them behind the count because you know no, nobody's good behind the count. And when you look at when you look at Purdue's throwing game, it's a lot of crossers, a lot of out routes, it's a lot of letting guys get the ball in space and running with it. And you know when you're bringing six and you're bringing seven, if if you don't get there, there's a lot of space to run. And I think that's where teams have have uh, have gotten burnt by Purdue. So if you can. If you can, uh, you can get pressure up up front with four and play coverage. Where then now you can, you know, they're throwing a four yard route and you've got four guys rallying to the tackle. I think that's that's what uh, that's what you need to do against Purdue. You know, if you can keep them in second and longs and third and longs, I don't think that's what they're great at. Uh, they're not really good about. In my opinion, and nobody is. They're just not high percentage throw. When you got to throw the ball downfield, it's just not a high percentage throw. So, so I think just kind of keeping the ball inside and in front, and not letting those receivers um, catch the ball in space and getting yards after the catch. I think that's going to be key for Nebraska this weekend. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Let's flip it around to, to Nebraska's offense. They've seen so many. Beasts off the edge, Kaz, and Karloftis is is another guy that's super high level. Purdue's just got a good defense. they got a good front seven, and uh, it'll be important for Nebraska not only to be able to run the ball, Ramir Johnson's back, but um, it'll be huge for Adrian to to be able to, to have that part of his game back. It wasn't used excessively, not a precaution, against minnesota and, and it affected things offensively you know where where can nebraska make some hay offensively kaz is it going to be the adrian show again or is there a matchup or some personnel you like with nebraska's offense well just you know just like um you know opening up the throwing game you know establishing the establishing the run that opens up your throwing windows and your throwing lanes and um it's no different than opening up your running game for your running backs is having that threat of Adrian running the football. And I think when Minnesota uh, realized Adrian, you know, was banged up and, and wasn't part of the, the run game plan, it's, it's one less guy you got to defend. And, you know, that one less guy just happens to be the most dynamic player on the field. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio on both sides of the ball. So, so uh, I think you know when you, when you're looking at this game, I don't, I don't think you can run Adrian 15, 20 times, especially this time of year, and 
and beat up your your best player on offense. I don't think you can do that, but you got to be able to have that threat. I think you got some design runs early on, make them defend it, but then hand that ball off to uh, you know to your running backs. You know, let them get downhill. Let them. They're used to getting tackled. They don't have to throw the football. And but I think you just once again, it's just one more thing that the defense has to defend. Um, and now you're talking about Nebraska putting Purdue in run-pass conflicts and putting them in run, tailback, quarterback run conflicts. So, um, um, you know, if you let Adrian get downhill, you, you, you find ways to put him in space. Uh, that's how you neutralize a guy like Karloftis. Um, and I think when, when you look at you look at the Iowa game, you know, they, they, don't, they don't have that, that quarterback run threat. And you look at the games that Purdue's been successful in, you haven't had that threat and you hadn't had to defend that quarterback run game. Uh, now, I know, you know, Purdue uh, against Wisconsin gave up, I think at one point, I remember it was about 275 yards on the ground um, at one point in the fourth quarter. But it's still, when you watch that game, it, the, the, the yards look hard-earned. And I think with Nebraska, you just got to gotta be patient. Just got to be patient. You go downhill, hand the ball off between the tackles, and you know, you know, you block a guy like Carl Loftus with your quarterback. You know, and what I mean by that is you make make him make him defend those quarterback runs. You know, don't let and and stay ahead of the count. Once again, when Nebraska's had success, they haven't gotten, but they've they've stayed in front of the chains. And you don't have to be second and five, second and six, second and nine's okay. Second and eight's okay, um, and there's nothing wrong with getting a first down. There's there, there's in punting, there's nothing wrong with that. There's there's nothing wrong with going three and out and punting and turning the field. So, if you look at you look at the games last Saturday and you see the importance of the special teams, the kicking game, especially the punters, and you know with the deep as good as the defenses are in the Big Ten right now, your punter is a weapon. And what you want to do, you don't want to give them anything easy. You don't want to turn the ball over on your side of the 50. You know, make a team drive the field. Because when you're playing these type of defenses in the Big Ten, you know, at some point you're putting the pressure on the offense. The offense is going to make a mistake. Kaz, what a talk about coaching carousel. And uh, SC is open. LSU now open. And uh, you've, you've got some smoke around James Franklin, perhaps. And you know, what, what do you anticipate with, with LSU and USC? The obvious names you're hearing, or do you think they go a, a different route? What's your take on those two gigs open? Well, you know, I, I mean, first of all, when you, when you look at both programs, you know, you got two programs that have had multiple coaches. Um, I mean, it, it, and, and it's, just not, it's just not working. And, and I think – I think you know when you when you throw Nebraska in that mix, and you're talking mm-hmm. about you know Coach Frost on the chopping block and things like that. Uh, I think I think you want to you want to look at those things. I think mean, what Southern Cal's had three coaches or or how many coaches in in uh, in the last five years, and same thing with with LSU. You know, basically they ran out two coaches who who've won national championships, and and I understand there's a standard and expectation, um, but also there has to be adjustments. You know, there's there's some serious parity, more parity now than there's ever been in college football, in modern college football, and um, especially with the COVID, the extra years, the um, you know the transfer portal, 
all those things. It's a completely different ball game. Uh, but I, I think they got to get a, spl- a splash higher. Uh, but also, I think you know when you look at a guy like like James Franklin, I I, I think he'd be successful wherever he go, wherever he'd go. Um, I really like I yeah I don't I don't care he'll probably end up losing three in a row here I, I don't care what, what that guy has done at Penn State and in, in my opinion is phenomenal but he's a Pennsylvania guy uh, he's got one of the top recruiting classes in the country right now I think he he, he obviously has an AD that supports him um, you know and I think he I think there's some realistic expectations now in Happy Valley. Um, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania. You know, you, you know, it used to be national, you know, national championships, undefeated seasons, all that. Uh, you know, they've gone away from that a little bit. You know, they they understand where they're at in the division that they play in. The only thing that I see with Franklin is, you know, the, the way the big ten, the Big Ten is set up with that East Division, that might run a coach off a little bit, um, unless your last name's Day uh, and you're coaching the state of Ohio. But uh, you know, I. I you just don't know, and I I hate that this stuff happens during the season. I just don't know what good comes out of it. Like, I, I you know Texas Tech firing their guy. I know there's no fans in the stands, and it wasn't a good mix. But you know what? That that AD that he hired that guy. I just don't know what you get by firing a guy during the season. Um, so um, you know LSU and um, and USC. I just think with the fan base and the, and the, uh, you know the, the the history of the programs. You know, they're going to look for a splash hire, but you know who's the splash hire? Because a lot of splash hires they're they're at programs right now that are doing pretty well, and they're going to be hard to pull away from. And then two, there's just some coaches that they, they don't they don't they don't want to go to a place that fires coaches every few years. And that's Southern Cal. I mean Clay Helton for three years you've been hearing. You know, he was fighting for his job more than he felt secure in it, and that's that's a tough way to coach. That's a tough way to recruit. That's a tough that's a tough way to live, man. Um, when people are coming after you all the time, so yeah, I just uh, yeah, I know it's part of it, and you know, guys are paid hands. When when the money's gone up, that's when uh, the firings got up, which is which is fine. But uh, I just think that if these programs, man, you gotta gotta take a step back every once in a while and and think globally and say hey you know who who can i get and how far do we set our program back by starting over so but i know i didn't give you a real good answer but i don't i don't i don't know who the names are for those jobs to be honest with you Trini. Kaz, that's all good i mean i i it's it was interesting to hear your your take on things when it comes to, to readjustment and the thing that i listen you can go rule the pac-12 or pack yeah pac-12 or compete with Oregon. So that's that's a reality with USC, okay? With LSU, it just seems like there's always so many hands in the cookie jar with LSU down there. And, and you're, oh. you're 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 right about two national champion coaches getting punted. I don't know, Ed. I always got a kick out of Coach O, right? Uh, I don't I don't know the Mad Hatter, but I, he wanted a high level there and, and followed up Saban's run down there. But LSU just seems pretty pretty divisive a divisive place to go work. You got to watch got to watch uh, behind your back. I guess is where I'm going with it. Well, yeah, I think it's a great it's a great place. With like every when you're winning, but you better win all right. the time. And um, 
And, uh, man, you know, it's it's unbelievable football down there, uh, high school football. I mean, the recruiting base, all that, the pageantry and Baton Rouge, great city, all that stuff. But, but man, that's uh, especially – Especially in the SEC, man. Yeah, I mean, you look at these team schedules. It's God. It's a it's a it's a gauntlet. Especially now with Jimbo, and that might that might that might be the name right there. You know, it's his AD. He's got no buyout. He's been there before. And and let's you know, look at Jimbo. Jimbo's a guy. He don't really care what anybody thinks about. Him. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. <laughs> not a whole lot of they're not a whole lot of scruples about Jimbo packing his bag up and leaving overnight. So uh, and uh, and I, I think Jimbo, I think Jimbo, you know, when you're Texas A&M, no matter what, and I love Texas A&M. I love the way they play. But no matter what they do, they're they're not Texas, right? And I think they'll always feel second fiddle. And and I think with Jimbo might have that feeling, and uh, you know it might be a little bit easier with Jimbo going to going to LSU and and having an understanding about Baton Rouge and the state of Louisiana and knowing how to coach. So knowing how to coach that place, knowing how to handle the people. So. Uh, you know, that might be the name there. I wouldn't be shocked if they take a run at Aranda. Um, but uh, other than that, man, your guess is as good as mine, bud. Rick Kaczynski with his Kaz. We'll do this again next Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy some college football. And thanks for spending a few minutes with us today. Thank you, sir. Man, take care of yourself, Smitty. There he is, Tuesdays with Kaz, Hail Bar City Radio. Good to hear from Kaz. Great stuff from Rick Pizzo. Mitch Sherman, fantastic as always. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we'll dive into some Husker hoops with uh, the pride of Ord. Uh, standout Andy Markowski going to be with us. Uh, a closer look at Purdue with Tom Deanhart from blackandgold.com. Tom, a longtime Big Ten guy in Purdue uh, aficionado. Mike Babcock, Mr. Husker football. And then Shuey as we're loaded up on Wednesday. And we are going to have a pirate sighting. Mike Leach joins us tomorrow. Uh, so we'll, we'll dive into Ouija boards, scary movies, a little bit of football, and, uh, and where the origin of hatred for candy corn began. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's where we're at tomorrow with uh, the pirate Mike Leach. Coach Janander, a couple of thoughts from him. Heartfelt thank you to Husker Nation. Here's Coach Chins. I think everybody knows, if they haven't by now, my, my dad passed away, a uh, medical emergency that caused a uh, car accident, tragically passed away. But I want to say thank you um, to the Husker Nation, including media, uh, fans, colleagues, uh, <clears throat> student athletes, um, all the coaches around the country, uh, just for the tweets, for the cards, for the texts, and for the kind words. Uh, so thank you guys very much. Anybody that said anything, it meant a lot to me and the family. Good stuff from Coach Chins as he uh, talked a lot about his dad, remembering his pops, and that's just a show of class from him, always uh, just uh, being a stand-up dude. And uh, he's going to get the black shirts ready 
for this uh, Purdue attack on uh, Saturday. But uh, really heartfelt from Coach Janander there as uh, he said thank you and, you know, God bless and best wishes to him and his family. Goddard, we uh, made